So I want to ask you a question. What does it really mean to be a Christian? What does it really mean to be a Christian? Let's cut through all the garbage. Let's cut through all of the wrong stuff you've learned about over the years. All the bad stuff, all the really bad advice you've heard from pastors, parents, videos, whatever. Let's cut through all of that and let's get to the heart. What does it really mean to be a Christian? That is the question that is at the center of this new series that we're doing called True Spirituality. And, and what our goal here, we're going to spend six weeks, and my goal here is to help give you a very clear understanding of simple truths about what it means to follow Christ. This is not what it means to be a part of a church. That was last, last month. We spent four weeks talking about why church. That was what it, what it means to be a part of a church. This one, this one is what does it mean to follow Jesus. Because here's the thing. We all have heard bad advice about what true spirituality looks like. And some of it you, you, you might have internalized so deeply you, you're not even aware of it. So we want to get to some of this. Excuse me. See, all of those egg rolls, man, that's what happens. Woo, wow. <laughs> so we're going to spend six weeks. We're going to spend six weeks talking about this. And we've, we're also launching some extra life groups. Our life groups are our small group Bible studies that meet every week, all throughout the week in people's homes, to, to, to get together, to develop strong friendships and study God's word together. We've added more of them. So if you've never been a part of a, one of our life groups, I encourage you, Commit to three months. After that, if you don't like it, you can walk. No questions asked. Commit for three months as we look at true spirituality together. Uh, we, have a, we have a special table over there. You can get more information about the groups. We have them every day of the week except Friday, different times, evenings. We, we've even got some weekend all across the Twin Cities. So I want to give a plug for life groups. I encourage you to sign up. It's a great time to try out life groups. Okay? But, but, so I want to kind of invite you. Will you join us on this journey for six weeks to ask what does it really mean to be a Christian? What does it really mean? Now, there's one premise that is essential to understanding true spirituality. One single premise. And if you miss this, then you miss it completely. You sort of miss the boat. Okay? So there's one premise, and this is really important, and here it is. God has a dream for his children. Did you know that? That God has a dream for you. That's really important to understand. God has a dream for you. Now, if you're a parent, this is very easy to understand. Very easy. Because you have dreams for your kids. I mean, I don't even have kids, and I know it's true. You know why I know it's true, and I don't even have kids? Because I still get teary-eyed sometimes watching commercials, particularly if it's commercials about dads and their kids. So I ran across one this week that just sent me over the edge. It's for, it's for Dove Men Plus Care, Dove Plus Men Care, whatever. You, you know that line, okay? okay. Um, so Dove Men Plus Care had this video here. Well, well I, I thought I would just show it. So th this, this thing brought me to tears this week. Daddy, 
Okay, so who's chopping onions around here? <laughs> Seriously, I, I love that because even I don't even have kids. I can't have kids, but I dream. I have dreams for my kids, my non-existent kids. I dream of those moments in life. I dream of who they could be. I dream of playing in the pool and walking a daughter down the aisle. And I think all of us, whether you have kids or not, understand this. Because we watch videos like this. And it gets you right here. Because we understand what it means to have dreams for our children. Even if we don't have children. Now God's the same way. He has dreams for his children. So I think it's a pretty important question to ask. What is God's dream for you? What is God's dream for you? Well, you may have heard some answers over the years. And maybe, it, maybe it's, it's things like, well, you're supposed to go to church. You're supposed to be a good person. You, you're not, you, that you can't go clubbing or drinking or smoking. Or you're supposed to support the church. Go to the church events. Be a good member. Or maybe you've gotten the message of you should be a leader because that's what a real Christian is. A real Christian should be a leader in the church. Or maybe if you're especially good, then you're, you're supposed to go to Bible college and be a pastor. Maybe those are the messages that you've heard over the years. And maybe in your childhood about God's dream for you. But I don't know about you, but... That sure sounds like a pretty crappy dream, doesn't it? That seems like a really lousy dream. If that's God's dream for me, seriously, basically to be a seat filler and to be really busy for God. Surely God's got to have a bigger dream than that. Surely God's got to have something better for me and for you. Well, the good news is he does. He has something a lot better for every one of you than simply being a good person and filling a seat. He's got something a lot better. We're back to our question. Then what is it? What is God's dream for us, for his children? Well, I'm glad we don't have to answer that question. That's not left up to us to wonder and take shots in the dark and maybe if I try the right things, then maybe God will be happy with me if I hit the bullseye right. But then most of the time, I'm not going to hit it right and he's just going to be mad at me. I'm glad we don't have to answer that question because there's a chapter in the New Testament that does an amazing job describing 
God's dream for his children. It's in the book of Romans, which, which was written by the Apostle Paul. And there's one particular chapter in there that does a remarkable job summarizing the Christian life. It's summarizing true spirituality. Not spirituality that is based on rules, but spirituality that is based on a relationship with God. Not spirituality that is based on do this, do this, don't do that. Or do this, do this, don't do that so that God will love you. But instead, it talks about what it looks like to have a relationship with God where you fully understand how much he loves you. And that's why you do the things you do for him. Not to earn his love, but because of his love. And so this is chapter 12 in the book of Romans. And so we're going to spend five more weeks breaking down chapter 12 of the book of Romans. This week is an overview, high-level overview. We're actually going to talk about the entire chapter of chapter 12, the whole thing. And to help me out in a little bit is actually going to be Kubi Vang, one of our interns. He's going to be teaching part of this as well. I'm going to hit a couple of the sections, and he's going to hit some of the others. And so I'll introduce him back up in a little bit. But so today is an overview. And then each of the next five weeks, we're going to dig deep into five different sections of chapter 12 of the book of Romans. So my encouragement is come here for the whole thing. Otherwise, you're going to miss this big gap in the middle somewhere, this big hole in God's dream for you. And who wants to miss, who wants to miss, it, it's like missing the first five minutes of a TV show. You spend the rest of the time going, wait, what, what, who killed who? Who's this person? Okay, that's kind of like this. So my encouragement to you is commit to the next six weeks, really next five weeks. You're already here today. Commit to the next five weeks to join us for this journey of true spirituality. So let's talk a little bit about the book of Romans. Before we dive into chapter 12, I want to give you an overview of the entire book. I've got a little chart here to help you out. The entire book of Romans, it is the most theologically dense and rich book in the New Testament. It's really more like theological doctrine than like one of Paul's letters to a church. But so Paul begins chapters 1 through 3, Paul focuses on the idea of sin. Fundamentally, that sin separates all of us from God. Everybody is separated from God because of sin. Then, chapters 4 to 5, Paul gives the solution. If sin is the problem, the solution is Jesus Christ. And that salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And that's the, pro that's the solution to the problem of sin, is Jesus. Then he moves on 6 to 8. He covers a few chapters of what it looks like to grow in power with the Holy Spirit and Christ-likeness, which is quite simply just growing to be more like Jesus. And even non-Christians, I think, want people who are more like Jesus. Globally, Jesus is a great person. People are very highly viewed. Even if they hate Christians, most people like Jesus if they really understand. And Paul says, you know what? We have the power through the Holy Spirit to grow to become like Jesus. And then 9 to 11 talks about how that we can live confidently 
in God because it's not by our own power. If it's by our own power, we should be very not confident. But it's by God's power so we can be confident in God. And then he wraps up the last section talking, giving some practical advice about how to live life in true spirituality, how to live transformed. So there you go. That's the whole book of Romans. If you, if you want an interesting Saturday, sit down and read. It's pretty long, so maybe Saturday and a Sunday. But it's a fascinating book, of, especially if you, if, you're, if you like intellectual thought, if you like logic and doctrine and all of that. If you like intellectual stuff, Romans is a great book for you. So there you go. <clears throat> now the chapter that we're looking at, the chapter that we're going to look at, is toward the end, right before he gives the practical advice about how to live, he does this chapter 12 here. And it's an, again, it's an amazing summary of what it looks like to really be a Christian. Cutting through the garbage, cutting through the bad advice you've heard over the years, and instead talking about true spirituality. And so, so, this, so chapter 12 combined to kind of be divided up into five sections. That's why we've got five weeks in this series. So I'm going to talk about the first two sections, and I'm going to have Kubi come up and talk about the next three sections. And again, this is a high-level overview. We're all cruising about 10,000 feet right now, looking, looking at the earth. High-level overview. Over the next five weeks, we'll dig into each one of these much deeper. So if you feel like you just got a little taste, that's okay. Come back in a couple weeks, and you can get the full waterfall, full fire hose of Romans on you, okay? So let's talk about the first one. And, and the first one particularly is focused on your relationship with God. Paul structures this around five relationships, five different relationships that every person has. The first one is the most important one, and this is your relationship with God, okay? So the, the chapter begins, chapter 12, verse 1, begins like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, this verse, Romans 12:1, answers one of the most important questions you'll ever ask yourself. One of the most important questions in life. And it's this, how can I give God what he wants most? How can I give God what he wants most? Because nothing's worse than having to do something for someone and they don't give you any instructions. And you're just kind of be like, I don't know what to do. And I think sometimes the Christian life sort of feels like that. Well, it'll be like, I, don't, I know I'm supposed to be good and I shouldn't cuss and I, I shouldn't drink too much. And is that what God wants? You're kind of taking guesses. No more guesswork. Because this question answers, what does God want most? And you want to know the answer? He wants you. He doesn't want your behavior. He, doesn't, he, he wants you. And so this answer that, that Paul says here, he says, offer your bodies. And so the answer to this, you know what God wants most from you? is being surrendered to him. How can I give God what he wants most? Is by being surrendered to God. That means you're giving up your own will. You're giving up your own desires, and you're going to say, okay, God, I want to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. That's, 
that's the first, verse one. We're going to talk about that next week, okay? So let's go to verse two. Now, verse two talks about the next relationship. This is your relationship with the world, okay? Now, what I mean by the world, the world is the system of beliefs, behaviors, and orientations that are opposite God. They do, that the world does not want some of the same things that God wants. And you have, every one of us has a relationship with the world. So, so here, here's what Paul says in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, the world tells us that money, stuff, beauty, power, all of those things will give you significance. They will give you meaning. They will feed, they will feed the thing you really want. But that's a lie. Because none of that stuff delivers on what it promises. None of that gives you what we think it gives us. Okay? So Paul has a different answer. And see, verse 2 answers the question, how can I get God's best for my life? Wouldn't you want God's best? Some of you may have heard this, this idea that God has a, has a plan for your life. He has a good plan for your life. Don't you want that? If God has good stuff for you, isn't that something we should want? Rather than trying to make good stuff happen ourselves? This is part of the key to that. Is how can I get God's best for my life? The answer to that is by living separate from the world's values. By living separate from the world's values. There's a bit of a crisis in American Christianity today, and unfortunately, the Hmong churches have kind of fed right into it as well, but the American church had this down long before the Hmong churches ever popped up. But there's a crisis in Christianity right now, and the research shows it over and over again, secular research and Christian research, that Christians look very, very similar to non-Christians in their beliefs, their behaviors, their addictions, their sins, their choices. There is very little difference, research shows, between Christians and non-Christians. And verse 2 here talks about that should not be the way it is. Because verse 2 talks about are you being conformed by the world or transformed by God? So in two weeks, we're going to talk more about that. So if you feel like you might be getting a, a little bit more conformed than transformed, you need to come back in a couple weeks because you're going to find out how do we beat that. So those are the first two relationships that, that Romans 12 talks about, your relationship with God and your relationship with the world. Now to tell you about the next three relationships, I'm going to have Kubi come on up and share those with you. Thanks, Greg. Testing, testing. Okay. Thanks, Greg. So 
for the next relationship that we're going to talk about is relationship number three, relationship with yourself. And so we're going to read that verse together if you follow along with me. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So the question that comes up when you read this verse is, how do I come to grips with the real me? How do I come to grips with the real me? And Paul answers this question, he answers it by saying, by having a sober self Assessment. So let me tell you about this. Sober, he's not talking about getting not drunk. You know, there's nothing about alcohol here. But what he's talking about is to have an accurate self-assessment. To have an accurate self-assessment. This is like having a reality check. This is like being real about yourself. This isn't about like the Instagram selfie, the Facebook status, the, the, you know, the Snapchat video worthy post. This is the, I just woke up. I didn't have time to do my hair. Uh, no time for makeup. You like, that's the raw you. And this is what he's asking. And honestly, because if we don't have a sober judgment or sober self-assessment, we, we come up with too inaccurate self-assessment. We think too highly ab about ourselves. You know, we think we're all that and a bag of chip. Or we think too lowly of ourselves. People take advantage of us, and uh, it's okay because... Uh, you know, it's for them, all glory to God. You know, we say, some, we say stuff like that, right? So the thing is that when we realize that we're not all that, and when we realize that, or we realize that, that there's this potential that God has for us, we, tar we start to see what it's like to be a Christian. And, and here at River Life, here at River Life, when we realize this, we, we, we all come together. We come and we, we form this body of Christ. Every single person's role here at church is important. The next relationship we're going to talk about, relationship number four, is relationship to believers. And let's read it together, verse 9 and 10. I'm just going to pick out a couple of verses here. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. These are hard, hard uh, words that Paul is telling us to do. So the question that we ask, the question that, that you should ask yourself when you read this is, how can I experience authentic community? Because this is a community. We're all together here, here today as a community. And the answer that Paul gives here is by serving in love. Serving in love, man, that's hard. That's hard because the word here, sincere, used in verse 9, it means to unmask or to have nothing to hide. And so when it comes to love, when it comes to love, it has to be genuine, even if you don't want to. You know, sometimes we come here to church and we're like, we're like you know, I'm here to study the Bible. I'm here to, to just worship. I don't want to get involved with other people's lives, you know, because it's messy. It's dirty. I don't want to do that. But the thing is, Paul doesn't give us a choice. To be a Christian, to be a devoted follower of Christ, Paul doesn't give us a choice. And he's like, hey, you have to love genuinely, love sincerely. And the thing is, if we call ourselves 
Christians, sometimes we just have to just stick our hands in there and we're like, man, I know it's going to be dirty. I think, you know, it's going to be smelly. It, it's, it, it might even stink. It might, I'm, I might even have to chop it off. But if you, if, you, if you keep at it, if you keep at it, eventually you'll start to grow. And suddenly you realize that everyone is growing together. Community is happening. Genuine love is happening. And, and here at, at River Life, to put that into context, to see that happen is, is life group. That's where we, we believe that, that the sincere love is supposed to be harvested. That's where it starts at a life group. And lastly, relationship number three. It's relationship to non-believers. Some of the verses I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out is 14, 17, and 19. And let's read it together. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. And I, I want to unpack it more, but we can't because this is just a, an overview of this section. But, but, but just to wrap it all with the, with the first two that I, I said, you know, when you have a reality check, you realize that it, it, it's not all about you, and you start to love each other sincerely, and, and community starts to happen. You start to devote to one another. We can finally come to answer probably one of the hardest questions, one of the hardest questions in our Christian life. And that question is how do I overcome the evil aimed at me? How do I overcome the evil aimed at me? Because being a Christian, I think all of us, we've somehow experienced this in some form or some level of, of, of intensity when it comes to evil aimed at us because of our belief, because of what we believe in, because of our commitment to Jesus. And the answer, I love this answer, the answer is by supernaturally responding to evil with good. The thing is, it's not about ourselves. If, if you guys are following along, it's not about ourselves. It's about God changing us, transforming us, making us into, in, in, into, into uh, or, or putting us in this dream or fulfilling the dream that he has for us. And as humans, we love revenge. We love revenge, right? As humans, that's, that's in our nature. And sometimes, you know, when something bad happens to us, we just want justice. And, w- and when there's no justice, we take action. We take action, you know. For all you guys who know how to drive, you guys, you guys understand what I'm talking about. You guys understand what I'm talking about, right? You know, like if you're driving west on, on 94 to 394 uh, on a Tuesday at, at 5.30 p.m. for a joyride, you're crazy. You're crazy if that's, if that's what you want to do because that is like the peak of traffic hours. Unless, I mean, like you're coming home, that's your commute. Like, I feel sorry for you. I mean, sometimes I have to take that, and I feel sorry for you. But, but you know, as every good Minnesotan, you're just driving, driving along, waiting patiently, right? Waiting patiently. And you, in the rearview mirror, you see this guy weaving in and out, and you're like getting anxious because you're like, oh my goodness, this guy, he's going to beat me. 
he's going to beat me, right? And this is what you're thinking. And then, and then suddenly he, he hops to the side where it's illegal. And you're like, where's the police? Where's the police in this, man? We want justice. And then when you're driving, you're driving, you're driving, you're, you, you don't want him to pass. And then he cuts right in front of you. He cuts right in front of you and you get so mad. And, and, and the biggest offense that he did to you, and this is my biggest pet peeve, is that he merged without signaling. Man, I get mad. I get mad, man. I get furious. And you know what, what flashes across my head? Or flashed across my mind is, man, you know, if I, if I don't believe, if I'm not a Christian, man, I would have, you know, that's what, that's, we don't say bless. Like we say, oh, God bless you. God bless you. We never say that. And so, so, so this last challenge is that it's, it's by God, man. God supernaturally changes us. The word bless in here, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Paul is repeating this twice because it's important. You know, during this time, paper is not cheap, right? You don't waste, you don't waste your ink on these papers. So when Paul's writing it twice, he says, this is a serious matter. This is a serious matter. So as we go on, as we study this, Let's, let's, let's focus on this question. Let's focus on these questions. Let's, uh, let's take time to think about it. And, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you guys when you come. And we'll, we'll talk more in depth about this. Thanks, Gooby. Hey, give this guy a round of applause. First time preaching. Good job, man. Good job. First time preaching to River Life. Thank you, man. Thank you. So there you have it. All of that together, okay, I know, that was a bit of a whirlwind, wasn't it, okay? Are you feeling like, like, okay, that's okay, we can all take a deep breath now, there you go. I know that's a lot of stuff, but we're going to unpack all of that over the next five weeks. But all of that together is what we're going to be calling a Romans 12 Christian. A Romans 12 Christian, five things that we talk about, being surrendered to God, being separate from the world. Being, having a sober, being sober in self-assessment, serving in love, and supernaturally responding to evil with good. Now, doesn't that sound a whole lot better than the Christian rat race? This Christian life of do, do, be good, go to church, wake up, don't do this, do that. Because I think when we fall into that trap, being a Christian can very easily begin to feel like a job. And it can begin to feel like a job that you don't really like, and the truth is that you're not doing really well at. But that's not God's de desire for you. That's not God's dream for you. Now this, this is a whole nother picture. Being a Romans 12 Christian. And that's what we're going to be spending the next five weeks talking about. So if this is interesting to you, if this kind of intrigued sparks some interest, I encourage you come back. Come back next week and for the following five weeks. But for, for today, I want to give you two ways to respond to what we're talking about. Two possible ways to respond. First is I want to ask a question. Have you personally and individually ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ to forgive your sins? 
Have you ever made that decision for yourself? Not your family made the decision to become Christian and start going to church, but you have made that decision. Not, I've been going to church my whole life. This is just what I do. No, an individual decision. Because I believe that is a critical part of the Christian life. Now, sometimes that individual decision can happen over time. Sometimes that individual decision can happen in a moment. But I think every one of us has to make that decision. And so I want to ask you, have you? Have you personally made the decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins? Because it starts there. This idea of true spirituality starts with each individual saying yes to Jesus. And if you have not made that decision, if you have not personally, individually said yes to Jesus, today is a great time to do that. Because God wants a relationship with you. God has a dream for you. And it is so much bigger than simply attending church. It's God has so much more that he wants to do in you, do for you, give to you. <coughs> Excuse me. But it takes a personal, individual relationship with him to do that. So if you have not and you want to, I want you to come see me after service. I'm going to be down front. I want you to make that decision today to say yes to Jesus. Now, for the rest of you who have, you can turn to a single point in time or maybe a summer or maybe even a year that by the end of it you said, I am saying yes to Jesus. Now, for the rest of you, I want to give you another option, another, another way to respond to today's message. Now, look around uh, those cards. Now, that little black card that you saw earlier, let's grab that. I want everybody here to find one of these little cards around you. They're, they're all over, and, and if, if you don't have some over by you, holler to the people in the middle. There's some extras around here. But I want everyone to grab one of these and one of the pens. Okay. Go ahead and read. You can read the front, read the back. So last week we had a DTR with the church. And if you weren't here last week, that sermon's up online. It was, it was a great one. I encourage you to watch it. That's a, that's a define the relationship conversation. This is another kind of define the relationship conversation. That one was about church in general. This one is about the next five weeks. And there are some options there that I want to talk about. And again, this, I don't, I'm not here to pressure you. That is not our deal. That's not our style here at River Life. But I want to challenge you to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make a, a commitment to something. Here are some options. First is I want to read the book, True Spirituality. Now, you have a couple options. If you, if you love to read, you have a couple options. One of them is there's a workbook that's going to go along with the life groups over at the, the, the um, True Spirituality table. Cost five bucks. We're basically selling it at cost. Say, so you know what? I'm going to get that. Even if you can't sign up for a life group, maybe your, your work schedule doesn't allow it, or maybe you're just too scared for that as your next step. You say, you know what? But I'm going to get the book. And if you really like this, you can actually order. There's a full-size book on this called True Spirituality. It's up on Amazon. That's another option. If you love to read, those are a couple great options for you. Option number two there is say, you know what? I am going to join a life group. 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to work my schedule. I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to join a life group. <coughs> and again, remember what I said? This is just three-month commitment. This is not for the rest of your life. This is not even for the rest of the whole school year. Nope. This is just a three-month commitment. So that's another option that you have. And then third, that one is to attend. Maybe you're just going to make the decision, I'm going to be here. I'm going to commit to the next five weeks. So wherever you feel like you might want to commit, and again, we're not going to call you on this. We're not going to email you other than maybe just a thanks, you're awesome. But this is you committing. You putting your name on the line and saying, this is what I want to commit to. Okay? So I would encourage you, commit to something. Don't walk out of here and just let it be another day. But commit to something. And go ahead and sign that. You don't even have to add your email. This isn't about tracking you down if you don't come here. But this is about you committing to something here at River Life. And then on your way out, we'll have a couple of people with some baskets. Just drop that in the basket. Okay? So those are a couple options for you to commit. Because right? I believe making commitments is important. And again, this is not about pressure. This is not about guilt. None of that ever results in good stuff. This is about me firmly believing that to make a commitment to something is a valuable thing. And I hope you agree with that. So there you have it, true spirituality. If this sounds intriguing to you, I encourage you to come back because God has an amazing dream for you. And it is so much more than what you might have heard growing up. Okay. Let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have a dream for us. God, we recognize that, that you have an enormous, huge, great, amazing dream for us. Help us live in that. Help us receive that. And do whatever we need to do in our life to be able to be in a place to receive the dream you have for us. God, I thank you that you love us. Not for anything that we do, but exactly for who we are your creation. So I thank you for that love. And I thank you for, for this River Life family, for the, the long-standing folks and the first-timers who are all part of the River Life family today. And I thank you. And I pray that you speak to each person here and let them know how much you love them. Not for anything that they do, but exactly for who they are. Not the rules they follow, but the relationship that they have with you or that you want with them. So thank you, God. I lift all of this up in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.